Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We're still praying for you. That's the title of this message. Um, in our series called Community from the Book of Ephesians, which is volume, I think, four of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the ongoing sermon series through the book of Ephesians. Um, before I get into that, I want to just uh, say hi to my dear brother, friend, uh, Roger Teeter, who is home for a while from uh, his missionary place in Chile with his beautiful girls, daughters, young ladies now here. We uh, welcome you, brother, of course. God bless you guys. Great to have you with us today. Um, I've had a new stirring in my heart about praying for others uh, most recently. I shared with you that I put myself under a 21-day challenge, which ends today, and I'm going to start another one, because of what's happened to me during this past 21-day challenge of praying for two individuals. One is somebody that, that, to my best knowledge, doesn't know the Lord yet, and to another who is a, somebody that is in my uh, circle of faith that I've been praying for, and uh, come to the end of that, and I don't want to stop. Um, praying for others has really uh, stirred my heart, uh, and so I come into this message with that, but something else that's really stirred my heart, I don't know about you, but I've spent many days over the past few, uh, over this past week, watching some of the live feeds of what's going on at uh, Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. And it's just an amazing thing that's happening there. And people are asking, is it a legitimate revival? Is it, is it emotionalism? Is what? And I'll, I'll say what I heard somebody else say. These students skipped the Super Bowl. They skipped Valentine's Day. And when you're a college student, other than romance and uh, sports, there's nothing else to do. And they, they've not left chapel for days and days and days and days and days calling on the name of Jesus. So I think God's doing something there. I want to, sh I found this out last night and our media team is second to none and I did something that I tell everybody never to do to them and that is at the last minute go, can you guys share this? But uh, I did that with all kinds of apologies and guilt trips added if they wouldn't do it. I asked them to show you this link that you're going to see right now about what's coming up this week. It's been a while ago that Francis Chan and many campus leaders from around the country marked a calendar date, February 23rd, which is this coming Thursday, for college campuses all over the United States by the thousands to come together on their campus and spend 24 hours in prayer. This plan was set way before anything began to take place at Asbury over the past 10 days or so. What is interesting, it seems as if God showed up before the 23rd. But this coming Thursday, 
for 24 hours, college students from all over the United States are going to be meeting on campuses all around the United States to cry out to God for a move of God on their campus and in our nation. I didn't find out about this until last night, but one of the, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here Thursday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. with the doors open because I have to be a part of this. Um, I just have to. And anybody who wants to, you're welcome. And then um, we'll leave the place open all day and then I'll be back again at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. for another concentrated time of praying. I just have to. No obligation, no guilt trip if not, but the opportunity is there. I want to believe that God is beginning to do something mighty beyond words in our nation. We've been talking about God's family of faith in the book of Ephesians. We've been talking how that in Christ Jesus, we've been made rich in his kindness and God has goodwill toward us in Christ. The faithful in Christ Jesus have goodwill coming toward them from God. We're called the beloved. We're called his beloved. We're called the redeemed. We're called the forgiven. We're called the sons and daughters of God. We're called the holy and blameless in Christ. We're called the bride of Christ and the army of the Lord. That's who we are. We've been, called, we've been told that we've been made one. One body, one spirit. We've been made one family. We've been called a dwelling place of God in the spirit individually and corporately. And not only in this room, but temples of God in flesh gathering together all around America, Canada, South America, Central. Roger, is God in Chile? Come on, man. See what I'm saying? Same God, same spirit. All around Europe, all around China, all around Iran, all around the Far East, God has people who are dwelling places of God. We're called the temple of the Lord. And when individual temples gather together, when we gather together as a body made up of spiritually alive cell structures, each and every one of us, each of us, graced, gifted, that's who we are. We've all been captured by Jesus, captivated by a new calling. And we've been exhorted by the apostles, Paul in this case, to, as I've described it, fill up the worthy meter of the calling by which we've been called. Fill up the worthy meter. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling and the identity that God has spoken upon us in Christ. Not because of what we've done, but because all that he has done for us. We don't do a thing to earn anything from him. But we do things as the Holy Spirit works in us by Holy Spirit power and Holy Spirit love in us and through us. So God can do amazing things in us and through us. And if this is the case, and it is the case, we are more bonded together than we realize. We're more brothers and sisters in Christ than we actually act upon. 
We really are brothers and we really are sisters. And when we gather together, all the boats rise together. We all rise together. One way to keep those things focused is this action of prayer, which Paul calls us into in the sixth chapter, that prayer is a real act of faith. Prayer is a real act of service. Prayer is a real act of love. And prayer is a real act to move toward people that God wants to touch. Prayer is one of the greatest acts of faith that we can give. One of the greatest acts of service, greatest acts of love we can give to one another. We continue today in this most important thought of the importance of continually praying, not just for ourselves, but for one another. The, the, the passage we started with a few weeks ago was from Ephesians 6, where Paul says at the end, pray with all prayer at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert to pray for all God's people and pray for me. Well, I want to work the dough of that passage and I want to sweeten it with another passage from the sister epistle to Ephesians, which is the letter to the Colossians. And I want to show you a passage in Colossians where Paul mentions a guy who I would call uh, as a part of Paul's dream team. A part of Paul's inner circle. And he uses this guy's life to make a point about how God wants each of us to pray one for another. So we're in Colossians, as every good Ephesians study would do. Take you right to the book of Colossians. <laughs> Colossians 4. Colossians 4, verse 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I, this is Paul, I testify for him. I will go on the witness stand and tell you this about my friend Epaphras, that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Lord Jesus we don't want to miss wherever you're stoking fires and flames, wherever you're stirring up the water, wherever you are sending the garments of the train of your robe, wherever you're looking, we don't want to miss that here. We want to be right smack in the center of the will of God and the intentions of God, heaven's work in America, in the world, right now. And I know that prayer is a key of being in the center 
open our eyes, quicken our heart, make this more than a sermon, make this a word to us from your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you already know this is a different Sunday? Well, I do. Paul says, look how Jesus is working in this guy. He's a non-Jew who loves the Jewish Messiah, who he's come to realize, as many of you haven't yet, New Testament Jewish believers, that Jesus is the Savior of the whole wide world. The Samaritan woman is one of the first to understand that. And here's this man named Epaphras, or Epaphras, and he's been changed. And not only has he been changed, he's still changing. Raise your hand if you'd say, by the grace of God, I've been changed, but I'm still changing. Come on, I'm, I, I haven't arrived. I'm still changing. God's still changing. Look at his heart. Paul uses him as a model. He, he, he terms, he's calling the Christians to devotion in prayer. Be devoted in prayer. Uh, it comes from a word proskuterio, and the pro, the prefix, the first three letters in the Greek, indicate taking something, and if it's, if it's re been removed from the place it's supposed to be, devote, this pro prefix means to take that thing that's supposed to be first place, put it back first place, and make it strongly set there. Devote yourselves to prayer. Take prayer, wherever it is, and if it slipped from first thing, move it there and fix it there. You, plural, do so. Keeping alert in it. Gregorio is the word. It means to really have a strict, attentive, watchful look that it doesn't slip again, that something else doesn't take priority over it. Have a Gregorian attitude about prayer, keeping alert. Jesus said over and over on the night that he was arrested to the 12, or to the 11 actually, watch, that's the word, and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Paul uses this Gregorio prayer life to say that Epaphras is like this, and I'm calling you all in Colossae to be like this. But this alert also means having an attitude of thanksgiving in your prayer. Having an alert expectancy that answers are coming. So when we pray, wouldn't it be cool if we're in a prayer meeting and someone said, incoming, 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 and it was the blessings of God just dropping in the room, just dropping upon people. That's what's going on at Asbury. They're there and there's incoming, incoming, incoming. It's actually, God's actually moving. We've been praying a long time and you wonder, well, we're not wondering. Man, incoming, incoming, incoming. It is amazing. That when the incoming of God is coming, people have been coming from all over the world to Wilmore, Kentucky, because we all want the incoming. 
Charles Spurgeon talks about this, about the attitude of thanksgiving, and he says, prayer should be mingled with praise. He said, I've heard that in New England, after the Puritans had settled there a long while, they used to have very often a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer, till they had so many days of fasting, humiliation, and prayer, that one of the good leaders made a proposal and said, we should change this for once and have it a day of thanksgiving instead. A commentary by Wright says, the connection here with thanksgiving may suggest that prayer should have a threefold rhythm. I like that. Intercession for others, watching for answers, and thanking God when they come. Paul uses a living person to explain what he means. They all know him. In other words, I call you to this kind of devotion, but you know, like Epaphras prays. It's great when you have a living example as your best sermon illustration. It's great when your example is the best illustration of your own sermon. Here is a model from the community, not a stage person, not a known leader necessarily in Colossae, but he says, he is one of you. He is one of your number. And then he calls him a bond slave of Christ. Sends you his greetings. Epaphras wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a bishop. He wasn't a stage guy. He wasn't an out in front guy. He was one of you. He is one of your number. But... In the midst of your number, let me tell you, he's a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Same word that Peter uses for himself. Peter, a bond slave. Paul, a bond slave. John, a bond slave. Jude, a bond slave. James, a bond slave. You go, well, sure they were. They were apostles. Then he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me mess you up. Epaphras, one of you, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Pray like him. Here's my first point. Prayers that come from the second seats are first chair prayers in heaven's eyes. Have you ever wondered if your prayers counted as much as mine? Dear Lord. Have you ever wondered if your prayers counted as much as some well-known doing it the right way, uh, New York Times best-selling Bible author. Have you, well, surely if I could have her pray, if I could have the pray. Prayers that come from second seats are first chair prayers in heaven's eyes. Last week, Dustin brought it, talked about he can change things. Prayer is the mechanism by the reaching the he to change things. And it's true. And if things aren't changing, at times the Bible tells us why sometimes. We have not because we ask not. We have not because we don't ask enough. We have not because we don't keep asking. Uh, we receive when we keep asking audaciously. 
Can we get an, uh, an amen on that? An amen. But we must also know something else. This is so important. When mountains move, when things change, they do so because the prayer hit the purpose of the king. When mountains move, God wants them to move. When things change, God wants those things to change. The king has purposes, the king has ways, and the king has appointed times. Stay with me. Epaphras, it says about how he prayed. He was laboring earnestly for you in prayer. What was he asking? That you, plural, stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. So what Epaphras knows is people have to be in the will of God for the mountains to move in their lives. How many of you ever heard this scripture before? I think Dustin used it last week. All God's promises in Christ are what? Yes and amen. Listen. That has a really deep meaning. No matter how many promises there are in Christ, they are yes. But that means more than a saved person asking a request in the name of Jesus. Stay with me. Let's say regarding an incident, you're reading the scriptures and you see an incident in the life and ministry of Jesus. And you look at that and you think, my specific situation is similar to that. And if Jesus did that there, well, there's a promise for me. So I'm going to bring that story, align my life with it, and pray in Jesus' name. And I'm going to put the Jesus' name at the end. And I'm going to assume that 100% guarantee that's coming my way. Stay with me. There are saved people who ask things in Jesus' name, but those things aren't necessarily the purpose of God for them. There are saved, good people, going to die and go straight to heaven. See Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Drink tea with them. But we ask things in Jesus' name that aren't necessarily in the season of God for us. When we, when we ask in Jesus' name, it's not like, well, the prayer won't be answered, but when you put the tagline in Jesus' name on it, bap-zam, it gets through. It's like when you're going through the airport security and they tell you to empty your pockets and you're sure you emptied everything and you walk through and it's and you go, oh man, there's that. Usually, I, that happens to me almost every time, right? And so you take that off and you get through. 
So it's not like you pray the prayer and you get through and it's, ah, and they, you didn't say in Jesus' name. Oh, I said, come on in. Come on through. I know that can seem funny, but in some way, I think there's a subconscious assumption that we add it. And we'll ask it and sincerely. When we're asking Jesus' name, we are, it, what it really means is, I, this person that's, this that's making this request to the king, you can't tell the difference between me and the character of your son. If, if someone sent in my name, that means that person is me in another body. Me in another body. So when, so, it, so the way Jesus thinks as I'm abiding in him and he's changing my heart to want the things he wants, to not want the things I, he doesn't want, and I come in the character of Jesus. Listen, this might sound weird to you. You don't even have to put in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer because you're, you're in Jesus' name. He smells your coat. Do you hear what I'm, what I'm saying? Hey, cannot God the Father detect the nature of his own son? When my son calls me on the phone, he doesn't say, uh, Tim, this is your son, Gail, or your son Devin. <laughs> In case you didn't know. And listen, if you tried to impersonate my son, well, I'd, I'd figure you out right away. Because even if you're a pretty good voice impersonator, there's a potential that you ask me something that Devin would never ask me. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about this one who was one of you. He's chained up to Jesus, and the greatest freedom in life is to be chained to Jesus. And as a chained up lover of Jesus, he is laboring like a woman in one area of the trimester, laboring, pushing through prayer that all the people would move toward the will of God being matured and perfected in their life because it's in that place where you are on that line to get what God wants. When you ask something according to his will, he not only hears but says yes. And in that context, all the promises in Christ are yes and amen. If we miss that, we can fall into a mist of misunderstanding. We can sink in a swamp of disillusion about God, thinking God doesn't care. Prayer doesn't work. His no, I, did, I thought his yes always meant yes. Here's the goodness of God. When we ask for a yes and he gives us a no, he is granting a greater yes, a commitment to a high covenant promise he's made to you and me. He's our shepherd and he doesn't want us walking off a cliff. And his rod and staff comfort us and keep us on the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Can someone just say, Lord, I'm so glad that you're in control of my life and I'm not in control of my life. I'm just really thankful for that.
I can mess it up a little bit when you're in control, but if you let go, holy smokes. <laughs> what does this mean? It means the will of God is the matter. The will of God is the matter. All prayer is father filtered, harvest filtered. Listen, when we're talking about getting our prayers answered, here's how, here's how God thinks. Father and son, father, daughter filtered, harvest filtered, whole church filtered. Bringing people to Christ is his number one priority. Seeking and saving the lost. His children maturing into the very nature of his son is an absolute non-negotiable. Everything else is secondary if it even reaches that. Everything that brings these things to pass is God's intended purpose for every person. The direction of the Holy Spirit and those who are maturing in the ways of God will model that kind of prayer to a congregation of people so that leadership can point and say, pray like them. And thank God, thank God that Paul could point to somebody that they could go right on. Epaphras, one of us, one of the congregation, one of the pews, remember when they had pews? One of the pews, you can't even use that anymore. I've outgrown the, we've outgrown, the, the seat sitters, one of you, a bond slave, a laborer in prayer. Reminds me of my college days, uh, Sister Bruch and I began to learn about the greatest contexts of faith. She was a retired 45-year doctorate, doctorate from Fuller Theological Seminary. She was no slouch. She was about that tall, and she was a giant in doctrine and theology, communication, pastoral care, missiology. 45 years in North India, leading giant priests to Christ, who, who people say, that once that you become a giant priest, you, you can't be converted. And she and her husband, Percy, they're from Britain, you know. Uh, he, he, looked like, uh, he looked like Sherlock Holmes walking across campus. And he'd wear a trench coat in 80 degree weather in central Florida. I always wondered if he smoked a pipe off campus. But anyway, <laughs> she would always open up the sur uh, her, 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 her and I, whatever she taught I took. Whatever she taught I took. If she'd have taught square dancing, I'd have taken it. Because she just walked with the Lord. Many times I had her right before lunch. And I couldn't go to lunch because she got so deep in my mind with what she said. I had to go sit by somewhere over on Lake Bonnie and just go, God, how could I ever know you like that woman right there? <laughs> Dr. Bruce, when someone would say, hey, uh, a prayer request, my grandpa is battling this and would you pray for him? Or my sister is battling that. It was usually a physical will. And, we, and, and man, those things matter to the Lord, right? I mean, he looks over the crowd, he sees all the sick and his heart's breaking and he, and he helps them, right? There's, that, that's absolutely true. He gets moved with compassion for people in physical need. But she would always say something first. She would say, absolutely. But then, and in a British accent, she'd say, oh, but dear child. If you were 50 years old, she'd say, dear child. If you, she'd say, oh, dear child. You'd say, you'd say my uncle, my, my grandfather needs, he's having surgery. We, we, we pray for a successful surgery. She'd say, oh, dear child, but is he saved? 
Now stop a minute. Have you ever watched evangelists sometimes and wondered if they're more, they're more interested in people having a miracle in their body than a miracle in their soul? Ever, ever, again, not to put, but have we forgotten what the greatest miracle is? To take a stone cold heart that's indifferent toward God or maybe even hates God and have them melt at the foot of the cross and turn into a brand new person, whether they're healthy or they're sick. Have you ever, have we, and she would say, oh dear child, is he saved? And sometimes it would be, I don't know. Well, let's pray that because the greatest prayer that we know God guarantees an answer is when a sinner repents and calls on the name of Jesus. Epaphras was laboring for people to get moved into the perfect will of God for their, anybody listening to this one today? A couple points to remember when praying for changes. Because we're talking about praying for others. And at the end of the service today, Lord willing, if I'm still standing, we're going to do that. Sierra Mist. Let's talk about this. And we've all been there. I am going somewhere, but I'm taking us there. Waiting rooms and attitudes. Man. There are people in this room right now that I know a little bit about your story. And man, what I, what I want God to do right now is, is heal you physically, spiritually, emotionally. I mean just boom, over, chain, bam. If I was God, dear, see how you think? But some of us have been praying prayers for a very long time and we're in a waiting room. And the attitude's in the waiting room. Have you ever had an attitude in a waiting room before that wasn't quite as Christ-like as you knew? If someone could, if it was pop-up video and in the, in the thoughts on the inside that you kept inside, they popped up on the outside, huh? Have you ever spent a little bit longer than you intended in the ER waiting room before? When you, and it was, wasn't an hour or wasn't three, five hours later, and you were singing Christian songs in 15 minutes in, but five hours later, you're, at, you're hoping you're even saved. And, and have you, I'm just being honest. Anybody besides me ever had a real human experience? <laughs> and, and, and you get attitude about the doctor and the nurse and the India. You, know, you, get, you get attitude about who's sitting next to you and why'd they go first. You know, all that stuff. I, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. The attitude that happens, and then all of a sudden they call your name, and it all changes. How you doing? I'm pretty good. Oh yeah, what a beautiful bed this is. Nice. Oh yeah, give me an IV. We have more. One right here too. One right there. Oh yeah, it's all you. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing. It's but you know there's things in our, and I made it light for purposely. I just spent a little time in one of those. But uh, there are things that, man, they're not funny, are they? 
going to talk about that in a minute. Second is pray with the right ingredients. Um, confession at times when I was, when I, when I thought it had to do with volume, that prayer and volume, you know, God has hearing problems. And, and, and so, in Jesus, you know, I do in Jesus' name. You know, and, and sometimes it's on the inside of you and be real and let it be that. But God doesn't need, well, I didn't, say it loud. It's not like one of those guys at the, at the, at the football game with the, pray, the, 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 the noise meter. You know, come on, get it up. We're almost there. I'll heal you. Get it up a little more. I'll bring revival. Just get that thing up. Get it up. It's not how it is. And the other one is, and we're, t we're talking about powerful change, all right? Hear me right. God wants to bring about powerful, mind-blowing change. Hear me right. Outward changes come from a change in people. Okay, so let me say, here's what I mean. When you're in the waiting rooms, when God doesn't seem to give us what we want, it's because he's more committed to making us what he wants. When God, this is love by the way, it doesn't feel like it. Because our pea-sized brain compared to the cosmic creator of all things, we know what we need. But when God doesn't give us what we want, it's because he is wanting to make us what he wants. He has a high level commitment to us that trumps our commitment to him. He'll take us across that finish line kicking and screaming if need be. He's never been about trying to find an excuse to kick you out. He gave his only son. Does he owe us anything else? Is it hot enough for you in here for you or am I just preaching good? We always have to know when we approach God that Father knows best. This is not to say that God can't change, nor to say our Father doesn't want to do amazing things. Dustin hit the bullseye all service long on this. But waiting rooms and attitudes. Here's the great attitude that we need in a waiting room, and it's hard, but here's a great attitude. I can have a high expectation in the waiting room of my life when I know that the Holy Spirit and Jesus and hopefully others are praying for the will of God in my life. When I'm asking God to fulfill his will and line up with his will, I can have high expectations of, my, of what's going to happen in the future of my life. When I'm walking in the will of God, I can have high expectations for what God is doing in my life. Romans 8 guarantees when you come out of the waiting room, one thing will be sure. You will have been changed regardless if anything changes on the outside of you. And we know that God causes 
everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God who knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That's bullseye. God's commitment to you is, I'm going to make your heart like Jesus. I'm going to make your nature like my son. That is the commitment from God. That. You can be certain God works the will of God in a situation involved with other people, even if they don't change, that you can change as you pray. One of the things that I've discovered in praying for 21 days for two individuals, not that I'm not praying for anybody else, is how God's been changing me as I've been praying for God to move in somebody else's life. It's been amazing. I've been praying some ingredients we're going to look at toward the life of other people, not assuming they lack them, but knowing these are the ingredients that I'm going to tell you in a minute that are in the recipe of the bread. That as I've been praying that and I've been thinking about it, 21 days doing this three times a day, and that's a, great, that's a miracle for someone like me. You know what? I started to go, you know what? I was praying. I thought, Lord, and I want some of that. Brotherly kindness. Lord, I want some of that. Look, it's amazing. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's keep going. You got a couple more minutes? All right, here we go. What are we talking about? We're talking about praying for others. And at the end of the service, I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to just bring a... I know this. The Holy Spirit's going to bring a canopy of presence in this room in a few minutes from now. Okay? Here, here we go. The abundant presence of the Holy Spirit is the bread that sustains us in the waiting rooms of life. Some of you know this. Some of you are experiencing this. Here's what I mean by that. Remember I used this passage a few weeks ago? Jesus is talking about prayer. And he said, prayer is going to a friend as a friend for a friend. And he said, God's the friend in this story. Suppose one of you has a friend, God. And you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, I love that. Lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey. We have a friend, our father. We are his friend. He's our friend in Christ. And we have other friends in the same journey and they've come your way. And here's what you know. You know without that friend supplying, you, you got nothing. You got nothing. We need to declare bankruptcy, bankruptcy in the sense that we always know we need to keep going to the friend for the bread we need for ourselves and to pass along. And here's the good news. Lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And then Jesus later says, if you then, knowing how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father, notice this, give the Holy Spirit. Stay with me on this. That doesn't just mean a zap and a feel. It, it, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> not to disrespect him, he gives us more than that. But here is the, here's the guarantee. God guarantees his presence regardless of what circumstances change or don't change. And the presence 
The bread is the Holy Spirit and God promises, Jesus says, who, no matter who you are, when you ask, he will give you this bread. So, when we're in waiting room situations with friends, as brothers and sisters, and they are without, and they're going through it, and it's deep, and it's night, and it's midnight dark, and, and, and when you think about, it's not daytime, it's not sunshine, it's midnight dark, and they're in a journey with, the, this is what we're supposed to be doing, guys. Not assuming everybody's skipping through the tulips of life. I don't know anybody that is. Do you? And friends come our way, and we know we are incapable of helping them, but we have a friend who is a friend for me and a friend for them, and he has bread. And I'm in a waiting room situation with them. Here's some wisdom from the Lord I've found. Wordless presence when with them, unless asked. In other words, when they're talking about their thing, the last thing we're to do is what some of us make the first thing. Well, you know what the Bible says, and here's a tape from Joyce, and here's a thing from them, and here's a six-week program of that, and have you tried to not gluten-free, and have you done a little this, and have you done it? Because in my life, eh. Wordless presence. Unless asked. Here's what the Bible says. Weep with those who weep. It doesn't say answers for those who weep. Weep with those who weep is a scripture. Answers for those who weep is not a scripture. The intercessory heart of Jesus still cries over people. The intercessory heart of Jesus still cries over cities. Here's what the scriptures say. Tears are seeds that don't only just go in the ground, they come up out of the ground as a magnet pulls them toward the clouds of heaven to accumulate in the sky an amount of moisture that turns those, shower, those sorrows into showers of blessing. That's the word of the Lord from, Ephesians, from Psalm 84. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. And it says, in due time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. One of the things some of us need is to have the balm of Gilead touch us so that he can unlock the, unlock the tears and we can weep our way out of a waiting room. Words of presence when they're king, when we're with their king as we are praying for them. Oh yeah, all the words and then some when we're in the presence of the king for them. And again, if they ask, when we pray, Pray with the most tender, empathetic, non-answer man, Bible dude you could possibly be. The least. Do you know why some people don't come to the altar and pray for others? Because they think they have to have answers and verses. No, 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 friend. 
I've gone in the ERs before where someone just passed away in tragic circumstances when parents were saying goodbye to a kid or whatever. They don't want to hear verses and they wouldn't remember them if you told them, but they'll remember this. They'll remember who was in that waiting room with them. Bring the bread of his wordless presence and embrace your brother. I've got a friend. I got nothing to give him. Now, that's not it. That's not all. There is a recipe, I believe, from great leaders who know how to pray. Paul, Peter, and James. What's in the request that you make to God makes all the difference. Here are the qualities. Holy smokes. All right, I'm almost done. Hey, after I do this slide, I'm going to Pearl. Got it? What's, look at this. Every one of these things right here are, you can take a picture of this. You can, I would take a screenshot of that. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, James 4, all these things right here. I'll tell you what, you can never be out of the will of God praying these things into people's life. Holy Spirit light, Holy Spirit love, Holy Spirit knowledge, steadfastness, patience, joy, faith, moral excellence, self-control, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, single-mindedness, humility, clean hands, and a pure heart, man. I've been praying that for people, and boy, I look down that and go, Hey, why don't you, uh, I think you need more than they need in that area. <laughs> Lord, I'm praying for steadfastness in my friend. And he's like, yeah. And I'm hoping you ask for yourself a little bit there. All right, let's go to the last thing. Do you know who this person is? I never heard of her. Boom. I never heard of this person. You ever hear the song, the old, old, oldies song, Little Old Lady from Pasadena? Yeah? Well, Pearl was a little old lady from Pasadena. They didn't write the song about her. It was, they didn't write the song about her for sure. Pearl was this elderly lady that used to pray for Billy Graham all the time. And years and years and years ago when he was in California doing crusades and he did a crusade in Pasadena, California, her heart got touched and she felt called by God to become an intercessor for Billy Graham. I'm sure there are many around the country that way. But in this situation in her life, Billy Graham found out about her. And to make a long story short, had her travel with him to other crusades and pray for him while he preached. And he felt that she made such an impact in his ministry that when, when she died, Billy Graham's wife said this, here lie the mortal remains of much of the secret of Bill's ministry. It's one thing to think you're that. It'd be one thing for me to say, well, I've been praying for, some, for many, many years. It'd be another thing for that guy to look you up and go, you know what? I know you're the... Huh? Okay, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, there is one of you, 
There is one from among you in my dream team who isn't in Colossae right now. He's with me. But I tell you, I've been watching this guy, the way he prays for you, and it's moved me that at the end of this letter to you, I'm going to call him up and shine a light on him and say, be like Epaphras. He is chained to Jesus like me. And when Jesus pulls on his chains, here's what happens. He shows a level of devotion and labor of pain and prayer for you to move your life into the perfect will of God. Be like him. And pray for me also. Here's the last slide. I want to ask you to pick two and do a 30-day challenge with me. One person in your life circle that needs the greatest miracle of all. You say, well, I don't know if that's the one God. Hey, quit overthinking it. Just pick somebody. Pick somebody in your life circle that's yet to come to Jesus. And for 30 days, pray for the greatest miracle to happen in their life. And second of all, another person for the greatest move of God, which might mean they have to move toward God for the mountain to move outside of their life. Maybe. All kinds of things. I want to challenge you to do that. Um, I'm going to ask this. Would you stand, please? This, Lord, Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray, shh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would get really up close and personal with me And for everyone in this room right now, I ask you to ask us all, if we are allowing the Holy Spirit to bring our bonded self closer to this call of praying for other people, I pray that if you stood right here right now that you could point out into this congregation and say, that is a bond servant of mine right there. That person right there is really one of you guys, and they labor in prayer for you all to fulfill the will of God. I would want the Lord to be able to point person after person after person and, and, and look my way and say the same thing. I know your works and your labor of love. I would like him to be able to look out and call you by name and tell all of us, this person here is chained up to me. And I pull on their chain into moments and actions and service and they never resist the pull. Be like 
her. L-O-H, be like him. I pray today, Lord, that all of us would strengthen Gregorian. We would take the post of prayer and we would strengthen it in its place. That we take this challenge. Put father-filtered guardrails in place over our life and our faith family. Help us to know that Prayer is one of the fastest ways to grow, and God is always changing and shifting and moving mountains in growing people. Now, the Lord's going to minister to people in this room right now. I know it. This might seem a little uncomfortable, but I tossed around the idea, and Dustin gave me permission to. I'm this is going to be, I, I don't want this to be uncomfortable, but I feel like we should do this. Um, front row, would you turn around and look at the people in the next row? There are people here beside you. Look at them. There they are. Third row, would you turn and face the people in the row? All right, you guys figured that out? David, your row, would you do the same? All the way back to the back. All the way back to the back, and let's just do that. Don't give people weird looks or anything like that. <laughs> Try to smile. If you drank too much coffee, keep your distance. Six feet, six feet, six feet. World Health Organization, whatever. All right. All right. Now, look. now here's the thing. We all need bread, don't we? We all need help. We all need strength. We all need ministry. We all need presence. We all need friendship. We all need to be reminded that we're not by ourselves. When we're in the, it's hard to be in a waiting room by yourself, isn't it? And you can feel like you're by yourself when you're even around your family. You can feel like you're by yourself when you're around a one or a two. If they're not going through the same thing you are, you feel that. But Jesus feels it. Jesus knows it. In just a minute, I'm not going to ask, and I really don't want you to do this. I don't want anybody touching anybody. I don't want anybody, unless it's your husband or your wife or your kid. Beyond that, uh, let's, just, let's just let let's err on the side of not today on that. But listen, let's touch God's throne for the people in the row that you're looking at. You may know them, you may not. You don't have to get dramatic and weird. There is no manual on this. It's just heart. Just the heart work that God's doing in your life. Just give that heart work to God and to the people that you're looking at. And if you get through with them, there's plenty more in the room. Along with that, as we sing this song, if you're somebody anywhere in this room and you would, uh, would, would request what James 5 says, uh, call on the elders of the church and pray over you in the name of the Lord, uh, I'd be glad to do that. My prayers aren't greater than anybody else's, but I'd be glad to, 
to walk into the word on that part with anybody. But I think the real lesson today is that the Spirit of God is wanting us to realize that we all have the same Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is in all of our lives. And let's just make space for this moment and let God do what he wants to do with it. Up in the booth, up in the upstairs, you guys do the same thing. If you would, please. There's nothing. How's it go, man? Sing it. Sing it for the first verse. Sing that verse again. There's nothing worth more. Lord, let us feel the hearts of people. Your presence, Lord. Weep with those who weep. I've tasted and seen stuff love. Heart comes clean. Click is undone. Your presence, Lord. Shh. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill the air. Jesus. Your glory, God. Overcome by your presence, Lord. Send your presence, Lord. That's what we need. We so need your presence, Lord. You who are watching, we're praying for you. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord, all over the room. Jesus, Jesus.
Come flood this All right. All right. I'm going to go to another step. I want us to do that song again. I'm going to go to another step, and I know this is hard. And I don't want you to be pressured to do this. And you please be at liberty to not. But if within that group that you're with, and this, does, this is not a sign of selfishness. This is a sign of humility and need. And you don't even have to say what it is, but... In that group that you're standing looking around, if you happen to be somebody that you feel like you would really like for a, for a minute or two for everybody there to, to make a concentrated effort to believe God with you, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to raise your hand with them and hold it up a minute. I know that might be a hard thing to do. I'm not, we don't want to ask your business, nothing like that, but you're just saying, man, I appreciate this. I'm so glad this is happening, but... I really, I really need, I really need prayer. Would you do that? Would you do that right now? If that's you, look around where you are, guys, gals. Look where you are. Look where you are. Do you know what, do you know that's a step, man? We're already, we're already standing together. We're already believing. We're already uh, check, uh, connected to one another. We're receiving from one another. This is another step. Do you see, do you realize people don't just do that? You know, and it, it, the the upraised hand means that we're we're in a we're in another level here. We're, th this is where you leave the patient that's in, that's not going to die, and you go over and help that other that other that other person. And that that's what we're looking at right here. Okay, keep your hand up for a minute. Make sure everybody sees it, and let's pray for that person now. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing that compares. You're our living hope, Jesus. It's your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. And I've tasted, I've seen the sweetest of love where your heart makes me clean. My shame is undone. It's your presence, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, come on. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Sing it again. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood. 
fill the atmosphere, Jesus, your glory, God. I long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord. It's your presence, Lord. All over this room, God, we just pray a canopy of mercy and love and beauty and freedom and healing and encouragement. May the greatest hug from heaven that's ever been given to anybody in this room be given right now and right here. May every person that's weeping not weep alone. Weep, friend. Weep, sister. Weep, brother. As God unlocks that place, weep and fill the clouds. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. The kingdom of God is yours. Hallelujah. 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 All over this place, Lord. All over this place. I believe there's a turning point happening in this room. I believe there's a turning point happening in our country. I honestly believe no weatherman could have predicted it. Nobody saw it coming. But for some reason known only to himself, something God this way comes to America. And in the place where you think not, in the environments and regions where which we think the enemy has the greatest beachhead, and the highest ground, it will be in that very place that the glory of God is going to come and going to show people and they're going to marvel and scratch their heads, even revival experts, even prophets and preachers are going to scratch their heads and say, there is no explanation for this, but God. Lord, we pray for revival in America beyond that. We pray for a visitation that's so strong that generations after a generation will be talking about what begins to take place that's already taking place. And Lord, as we started out today, we end today by saying, please, we want to be right smack in the center of your work. Not for us, but for others. For others. May we have a moment to weep over the city. May we have a moment to weep over broken people. May we have a moment to weep over fatherless kids, motherless daughters and sons. 
wayward people. May we take a moment and weep like Jesus would. We pray that miracles of healing bodies, eyes seeing, limbs straightening, tumors being, gone, being removed, blood diseases disappearing. People that have prayed for miracles for years to pray one more time and incoming blessings, incoming blessings, incoming blessings, coming out of nowhere, the size of a man's hand cloud becoming something that will become an absolute, absolute, absolute storm of grace that comes across the entire nation, we pray. Jesus. Lord, stir up our hearts to prayer like we've never prayed before, not out of ought to, not out of guilt, but a deep, passionate bond. The same kind of bond we feel when we meet the person we want to spend the rest of our life with. Lord, I pray you'd birth that kind of a spirit of prayer in us beginning right now. For the young, for the old, for the single, the married, whoever. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.